0: Good day, everybody. I'm David Irvin. I'm a leadership development specialist and a best-selling author, and we want to welcome you to the Leaders Navigator podcast. The premise is simple. The podcast will provide you with insights for living and leading the authentic way so that you will be better equipped to amplify your impact as a difference maker in all areas of your life. We'll cover a variety of topics related to authenticity and what it means to bring humanity into the world. What is uniquely special is that I'm doing this podcast together with my daughter, Haley, and we are very, very excited about this opportunity to work jointly on this project that we are both so passionate about. Good day, Haley, always good to spend time with you. Hello.
1: Likewise, and also as we record this, it is um, Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day as well um as we record this i'm sure it won't be you know valentine's day when we post this but you know happy v day
0: (laughs) we have a new name for valentine's day in our home because your mother's february 14th is valerie it's now val's (laughs) day
1: oh that's perfect i love that
0: (laughs) and uh my gift (laughs) to her
1: today
0: i'm being kind to her
1: wow good job (laughs) uh aj this morning um i i don't know if this is thoughtful i think it was thoughtful it was cute he scheduled sent a text to me um at five o'clock this morning so i got up early to, to go to the gym and i get the text from him uh just like a, a nice little message a text and stuff but i know he scheduled sent it because i look over and he's snoozing beside me as the t- message comes through <laughs> so i knew he didn't send it <laughs> right then i don't know when he scheduled it from well, that sounds
0: romantic <laughs> To schedule a text message, yeah, but there you go. he thought of you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Keep the
0: romance.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so classic me, what did I do in response? I wake him up and say, did you schedule send this? Thank you. <laughs> you woke so, him up. So just nailing it with the romance, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Keep
0: the romance going. Uh,
1: yeah. Listen, we have
0: um, a very intriguing idea to talk about identity today. And identity and legacy, yeah. and authenticity. And I'm just wondering what uh, what your thoughts were about identity. Let's kick it off with that.
1: Yeah. So I think like it kind of was, I was been doing a lot of reflecting on this more so at the beginning of my pregnancy, I think with, you know, my changing identity as I'm, you know, kind of coming to face with, you know, becoming a mom, which is crazy, but then also taking maternity leave next year and, you know, um, no longer being a teacher for a year. I know I always be a teacher. I get that. But, you know, not being a teacher next year and just being a mom and, you know, even my identity as a runner is changing. And, um, you know, as a, you know, you know, AJ and I as dinks, dual income, no kids, D-I-N-K, you know, um, even that identity is changing and things like that. Right. And so, um, you know, I've been reflecting on that a lot and how, you know, so much of our our society is defined by what you do for a job, not necessarily anything else about your character. Like, I mean, that's the second question or the, after people like after ask, they ask you your name, they ask you, well, what is it you do? Right. They, and then maybe hobbies later, but you know, your job is such an important part of your identity. And, um, I was thinking about how, you know, in my bios for social media and things like that, I always put, you know, teachers or an apple or something like that. And, you know, before that it was, I was a student and studying to be a teacher and, you know, so much of my identity was wrapped around education. And so, you know, when I take maternity leave, my identity is going to change a lot. And, you know, you know, when, you know, there's, you know, also like won't get into the whole stigma about being a, you know, stay-at-home mom. Well, and I don't intend to be a stay-at-home mom too. No stigma about, you know, no reason for anything like that. But, um, you know, just, you know, that your job is so much of what defines you. And so, and then, you know, you and I started to talk about how, you know, as your life is changing with you know potentially approaching retirement or you know approaching changing, you know slowing things down a little bit, like how do you feel about you know your job changing and your the demands of your work changing and and all of that and you know what what's going to kind of come next in the future for that?
0: Well, it's very interesting, Haley, because I've been reflecting a great deal on my legacy and and what I want to leave behind and what my own identity has been and as you face the you know this this chapter in my life i'm i'm 68 and going to, going on to be 68 this this month and and it it raises a question about where do, what do i want to leave behind and my insecurities get amplified during a transition mm-hmm. time um so i've dealt with insecurity i've i've often had a voice in my head that I'm not enough most of my career and I've learned to work with that voice and and befriend it and realize that uh, that voice is actually uh, comes from my sensitivity I couldn't do this work if I did if I wasn't sensitive but what the sensitivity brings is this sense of self-doubt that I'm not enough Mm. so as I think about this next chapter of my life and and expanding my identity to more than just a person who speaks and writes and makes a contribution, I will continue to have that identity because it is a you know this gift that I've been given and I want to keep sharing that gift. But I also want to expand that identity and to develop other identities so that I'm not overly identified with my work. Otherwise, I will just continue to work and not recognize my contribution in other areas. So I've been reflecting about Uh, what do I want to leave as a legacy and I I've been Mm. panicking because I feel like I get this existential uh, fear that I have to do something that lives beyond me and I have to have this Mm. immortality project where I build a business that lives beyond me because right now my business is centered on my own identity and so if I died today I feel like my business would end But I'm reminded in my conversations with people in my life, good friends with my daughters, I've been reminded that legacy isn't what we leave behind. Legacy is the difference that we make today. And it's like a Mm -hmm. ripple. It's that rock that hits a still pond that that ripple will last beyond just by the presence that I brought. So relax. This is the message that I'm getting. I don't have to amp up my anxiety, and think I have to plan uh, a big business here. If it happens, it happens. But I'm not, I'm not I don't need to build a big business in order to have peace in my life. So that I can say that I'm leaving a legacy beyond me. My legacy Mm -hmm. is the difference that I make today. My legacy is in my daughters, my legacy is in my grandson and and the, and the grandchildren that will live beyond me. And I don't have to try to have that legacy. It's just there. It's, it's there because of my presence. And I need to remember that. Um, so that's the one piece. And we live in this culture that says more is better. So if I have more of a business that goes beyond me, that that will give me worth. I, I I have mm-hmm. to say, I just wrote a, a, a post about how much is enough. And um, mm-hmm. I just, I digress a little bit here, but I remember giving a presentation to a group of entrepreneurs and and it was it was like a club and you had to be making a million dollars annual income, personal income in order to get yes. into the club. You can imagine what was wow. parked in the parking lot. And I started the presentation, Haley, with a question how much is enough hmm. most of them had never asked that question of themselves before and they hmm. could not come up with an answer the best they could come up with is more than i have now because they were all getting hmm. together to help each other grow their businesses and they couldn't identify how much was enough and it it reminds hmm. me of the of the identity of our culture that says when we have more success, more money, more fame, more notoriety, that somehow or other we have more worth. And what I'm Hmm. continually reminding myself these days is to get off of that rat race. As Lily Tomlin used to say, uh, the problem with a rat race is that even if you win the race, you're still a rat. So there's... There's something about stepping out of the rat race, listening to our own voice and being confident in ourselves and contented within ourselves that who we are is enough. And I think when we go through transition, like transitions into parenting, transitions into the last chapter or the later chapters in our life, we don't know when that last chapter will be there's an opportunity to reflect on what our identity is and what really gives us a sense of worth. And it never comes, although the culture will tell us otherwise, but the authentic journey will tell us we have to listen to our own voice because the culture will say we're not enough. And if we need to buy more and have more and do more and achieve more in order to be enough, we will constantly have a sense that we're not enough. It will never be mm. filled, but we can realize the abundance around us and realize that that is where we make our greatest contribution. So I hope all that rambling makes some some degree of sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it totally does. And I wonder, like, I did, like, you know, sparked a couple of questions. Where do you think that like initial, and I mean, culture of more for sure, but where do you think that initial desire for immortality comes from? Like, is that something that you've kind of always had? Is that something that's sort of like mankind? Is that something universal? But like, where do you think that kind of comes from? You know, like, what is it about, you know, the idea of a piece of you living forever? Like philosophically, where do you think that comes from? Either you personally or just in general?
0: It's a great question. So Ernest Becker wrote a book years ago called The Denial of Death. And what he talked Mm -hmm. about is that as we approach our death, when we uh, realize that this runway isn't going to go on forever and the closer we get to our death, we begin to, uh, there's an existential angst that gets surfaced that we're not enough and that we have to have something that lives beyond us. And it's a fairly universal human um, awareness and we can get, I can go into anxiety about, so part of it is just facing my own mortality and facing my own fear of death and feeling like my way of avoiding death is to create an immortality project that will live beyond me as a way of managing my, my anxiety toward death. Or I can relax into it and realize that death is a part of life and that legacy is really just relaxing, and knowing that I'm making a difference the way I am now. But it really requires facing and not denying uh, that we're not gonna be here anymore at some point in our life. And that's part of being human and it's okay. That so this your-
1: might be a little bit, yeah, it does. But yeah, so I'm just gonna kind of challenge you on that too. Cause like, here, th- this might sound a little bit morbid and perhaps a little bit macabre perhaps, But then like, like, I mean, in theory, like, why should we care about what we're leaving behind if we're dead? (laughs) Like, it won't matter to us. So like, why is it that like, you know, if we, 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 if we're dead, we're no longer, you know, contemplating that. Why does it matter so much? Do you think?
0: Yeah, I, a hundred percent. Exactly. But approaching your death, you get anxious. I get anxious about Mm -hmm. my death. And so this sense of not feeling enough, I haven't done enough. What if I die and I haven't fully lived? We have these existential mm. questions that begin to surface in the process of coming to grips with our mortality. And it it makes it, no rational sense.
1: And isn't it a bit ironic too, like thinking about this, that when we're approaching sort of the end, when we're approaching these new chapters and these transitions, we're already anticipating the next one and not doing enough. And like, you know, but then that we're missing out on the actual opportunity to do enough and also like being satisfied in the moment that we're still... And I know this is just sort of the, you know, paradox of anxiety, if you will, right? But that like, it's so funny that, you know, thinking about you right now, right? Thinking about like your legacy and things like that, like that's consuming so much of your time and energy instead of actually just living and appreciating the moments that you have before you die. Like, I know that sounds really like, you know, dark and things like that, but isn't that funny too? Like, it's just... And I know, like, as somebody also who has anxiety, like, it's just funny that that's the way this mental illness works.
0: No, but you you absolutely absolutely have nailed the antidote to this anxiety is just to be present in the present moment and just to enjoy life, enjoy the simple art of living, enjoy being present to the experience of life. And paradoxically, that's what life teaches us, that the only moment we really have is the moment that we have right now. And let's enjoy that and let's embrace that. But there's some psychologists and some human development theories that would say that every time we go through a small death, we're actually preparing ourselves for the big one. So you are suspending and your career is dying the way that you've known your career as you move into the new identity of being a mom. And even though you Mm -hmm. will likely return to your career, you're suspending your career. So there's a little death and every time we lose you know i went to a funeral this week so i'm very reflective on mortality anyway went to a beautiful funeral of a mother of mother of a good friend of ours Uh, so we we get these are ways that we prepare ourselves for the big one and if we can embrace that but the anecdote to all of this is exactly what you said which is let's just be present because that's the only moment that we have is this conversation right now and the difference we're making with each other right now that's all that really mattered
1: so then i guess too my next question too is like it is all fine and good and you know to to recognize that you know to do enough and to be present in things so for you what does that actually look like like when you're you know getting off this rat race when you're You know, not so focused about what's next, and and worrying about you know what's what's to come. What does that look like for you? How are you going to to, like? Here, here's my teacher hat. How are you going to practice this?
0: (laughs) Well, uh, let me give you an example. So I have this uh, authentic leadership academy, and I Mm want to bring people in to to teach people how to do this, and so that it will live beyond me. Mm -hmm. But I'm beginning to realize, you know what? It's my baby. I don't really want to share it. And so what it means is I'm just going to do a really good job of being in the academy and teaching it and doing my thing today and making a difference Mm -hmm. with people there today. And when I go, it won't last. Maybe someone will pick it up. Maybe someone will do it their way and pick it up and, and create something new from it. But I don't have to feel any anxiety about that. I'm just going to be present today and I'm going to be present in our relationship today and trust that I don't need Mm -hmm. to get all anxious, that I'm not doing enough for you, Mm -hmm. that I'm not, that Mm -hmm. I haven't done enough for my clients. Uh, I, my legacy will be my being present. That'll be the most important Mm -hmm. legacy that I can possibly leave. And that is enough. And I can viscerally feel that sense of enough when I stay present to the moment.
1: Hmm. It's funny because it actually makes me think of the theater. And actually, this is funny because this just came up literally today that at at rehearsal, I was having some kids paint and prime old sets. So they're taking these old sets, these old like massive, massive pieces of wood that had um, paintings on them from a previous play. And it was a little bit spooky because it's, you know, pre-COVID, right? Kind of a pre-COVID play but this beautiful, beautiful artwork on this set that was created for a past production. And you could tell they were quite hesitant to paint over it. And, and I was like, no, just do it. You got to do it. And they're like, but it's so beautiful. And I'm like, I know, but what we're going to put on it will also be beautiful. And, and so we got, I got talking to these students about, you know, this is what the theater is, right? It is temporary and exists exclusively in the moment. Yeah. Sure. You can go back and watch filmed recordings of it. Sure yeah, sure. It's, you know, you put all this time and work into something that will only last an hour, two hours, three hours, that kind of thing, right? Where you spend hours and hours of work for something that is all over in just a few hours. Um, and then it's done and it it only exists in you know the memories of the audience the memories of the cast and you know so it's all of this work for something that actually isn't tangible at all it's something that is completely temporal it's completely temporary and it's completely in that moment and it will not exist in that exact form in any other capacity right and i i think it's a like a beautiful little metaphor for being present and you know you know it's it's, it's appreciating that you know things are temporary and that's okay. And that's what makes it beautiful. Right. And, you know, your identity is temporary and that's what makes it beautiful. Right. And, and your legacy will live on beyond you for sure. Right. But it's also about, you know, these little seeds that you plant and things like that along the way. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, that's always what I loved about
0: theater. Theater is such a great metaphor for that. It's exactly what we're saying is we we want, we want the production to keep going. It's like, when remember you used to build Lego and you built these oh, yeah, things totally. and they were amazing and you were just wanted as soon as they were done you wanted to take them apart and i wanted to glue yes. them i wanted to preserve it because I, you know yeah. this is this is what's beautiful to be around kids is the beauty of yes. being in the moment and paradoxically that's what death teaches us is the profound mm. awareness that the beauty is in it the fact that it's temporary if 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 i bought mm. you a plastic rose over to the dollar store it would have no value yeah. because
1: yeah.
0: it would last it will last longer than you if what yeah. makes a rose so beautiful is that i bring it home and it will only be there for 3 days and it will lose its mm-hmm. beauty after 3 days and mm-hmm. that's what makes it beautiful is because it is temporary and it is in the moment And that's Mm -hmm. what makes art so beautiful is because it will, that production will never exist in any other form and it will be lost. But that's the beauty of it paradoxically.
1: Well, and that's the famous Shakespeare quote right all the world's a stage the men and women merely players right and it's such a beautiful quote that can be applicable to so many contexts um but then my question is like you know if so much of our our culture like I'm even thinking like building snowmen temporary right art temporary theater temporary right like so much of the most like like roses temporary right like so many of these beautiful moments in our life are about being in the moment and are about being like about you know the that they are there and then they are not why is it that we've managed to you know develop like we collectively as you know the western culture developed this culture of more 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 bye 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 why is it that we are ignoring some of these fundamental principles of what human beings appreciate um you know life and and death and all of these things why is it that we're ignoring these things to spend a bunch of money to try to keep going more 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 is it a way to combat it do you think
0: well, to fight it, to resist some, there's a great question, it is the fundamental question behind all this conversation and be, behind all of life. Uh, there's yeah. some people that would, there's some uh, some theories that would suggest it's because we're denying our death, and that we have all hmm. this stuff around us to protect us from the reality that life is temporary, and that we want to outlive hmm. death, that we want to create stuff around us so that we will. Uh, escape death—that we're all fundamentally afraid of facing—and the paradox in it is that when we can actually face and be at peace with the death, with our death, then we can be at peace with life, and that we don't need to have a bunch of stuff around us in order to have an identity. But do you have an answer to that question? You—I'd ha- love to hear what your thoughts are about that question.
1: I don't know. Like it's very funny when I look at how many stories in our literature. Literature, like the one that comes to mind initially is, you know, you and you know how much I love the Hobbit, but um Smog, the the dragon in the Hobbit, um the his whole character is about hoarding. And so Tolkien was a a religious studies. Um, fanatic, studied at great depths the bible and and other religious texts and things like that. And there are all these allegories in his works uh, referring back to you know genesis and and all of that too. Um, so there's a lot of interpretations of of smog as being this representative of like sin, uh, sin of of greed, of of hoarding, of of collecting, of not sharing because it's a dragon. What is a dragon gonna do with gold? Number one. Um, like it's, that's not important to a dragon's life. A dragon has all the power it needs. It doesn't need gold. Um, and then also too, it just, it just collects and it just wants more, more, more and, and things like that. And just sits on this pile of wealth. Um, obviously small gets, you know, meets his end, gets destroyed, yada, yada, uh, by the end of it. Um, so, you know, the idea is teaching us that the simple life demonstrated by Bilbo, the Hobbit, you know, living life just to, eat and enjoy and drink and be merry and go on adventures. Like that's really where happiness and success lies in the lesson of that. Um, But we see that in, in, in other, more of our texts and things like that, that, you know, like that value of don't be greedy, don't hoard, don't desire more, 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 be content with what you have. Like that exists in our literature, but we've somehow been sold this myth that the more money you spend, the more money you earn, Um, and that's, what's most important. And we fall for that, this, this, but maybe also, I mean, philosoph. maybe if we look at it this way, maybe also like money itself is temporary and that actually is just part of our human experience. We're just looking at it as, you know, hoarding something that is temporary anyways, that will come and go anyways, and trying to fight that. I don't know. Maybe that's also just part of human nature, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Well, there
0: is a part of human nature that wants to escape reality that wants to escape faulty. Yeah. that wants to escape our dying. It does seem yeah. to be part of the human, uh, condition to, to escape. Yeah. So we escape with alcohol, we escape with shopping, we escape with, uh, Netflix binging. Uh, we, and some of these escapes are more destructive than others, but there, there is a human tendency to escape. And we find yeah. that, that, uh, being in recovery i've learned that it's a whole lot more rewarding to actually face reality that's where the meaning mm-hmm. of life comes to not avoid reality to not escape around it because i've done enough of that in my life to re- to know that that's not the pathway to a peaceful life
1: hmm. i think i think like a i think you know this is making me reflect on being more present and and I think, you know, little rituals I think I'm gonna try in my life. And I, I have done this, but I've been inconsistent about it. I think something that I'm gonna try to do um is when I journal, I think just sort of talk about, you know, the 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 little moments during the day that were really important. So that I can go back and relive those little moments and and like reflect on them backwards as opposed to, you know, anticipating I'm, the future, right? Like I, I remember always to hearing this quote that why would you suffer twice? Why would you stress about something stressful and then go through the stressful thing? Why bother suffering twice? That's silly, right? So I think, you know, but reflecting on the past being really important, you know, hanging on to things when and expressing gratitude to other people so that they know their value and their worth and and also that being present to acknowledge that and and recognize that you know what their contribution was in my life really important and that was enough to me um i think these would be like little practices i think that i have to try to emulate more and also i, I mean i know we talked about dogs before but dogs are very good at living in the moment they know exactly like i think about you know i you know I, i've told you this story but my dog got into a pack of 40 t- treats and hid a bunch of them anticipating the future for sure, but also ate a lot of them and then threw them up and then ate the throw up as dogs do. So, um, but you know, dogs don't think about getting in trouble for eating the treats later on. They just think in the here and now, you know? So I think like, that's also, you know, you know, a way that we can go back to sort of our, you know, for lack of a better word, natural selves, animalistic selves, um, to just, you know, go back into the the, the present as opposed to keep worrying about the future
0: yeah, and if I could boil it down to one word, it would be love. This is really what we're yeah. all here for is to love and be loved and to open ourselves yeah. to the beauty and the magnificence of uh, this one precious life that we all have. Yeah. Wonderful conversation. Wonderful conversation. I sure hope that uh, yeah. our listeners are enriched in any degree the way that I have been enriched tonight. So thank you so much right for this course. conversation, my dear daughter.
1: Likewise, dad. And I hope that provides a little bit of, if maybe not clarity, but maybe some, a reminder that you are doing enough and, you know, just to be in the present, just a reminder, just to be like, Nope, I don't need to worry about that right now. I just need to be the here and now where are your feet, be where your feet are. Right. I don't know who who said that. That was a quote from some mentor in my life at some point, but be where your feet are. So don't think about the future. Just think about right where you're standing or seated, you know,
0: you bet. We can have goals for what are you grateful for this This is where this is where life is lived i am grateful i don't know what uh i don't know what else to say at the end of these conversations that i'm grateful for the conversation that that's always the highlight for me of what i'm most grateful for in this moment i'm just grateful for you i'm grateful that uh i'm gonna be having a a, another grandchild coming up here i'm grateful that you're life to life I'm grateful yeah. to be a part of this journey with you. I'm grateful to have a daughter that's interested in this material and just to have such an enriching conversation. It's a beautiful day.
1: Likewise, dad. I'm sorry I'm not taking over your business, but I uh, I will acknowledge your legacy and take on your teachings and pass those on. <laughs>
0: well, there would be room for you yes. if you wanted to take this business over.
1: <laughs> oh, I love teaching too much. <laughs> now, what I'm, are you uh, for? Great question. I think just I think just the opportunity to talk to so many people. I had um, such a, you know, this is always such a wonderful conversation that I have with you. And, you know, I just had some great conversations with students today. And I just, you know, other people just have so much to offer. And it's just like so great to just share minds and, you know, just to uh, talk about these big philosophical questions. And I'm just like so grateful that you and I have always had this relationship where we can ask these big questions and, you know, be honest with each other about these, these, you know, philosophical internal conflicts that we're going through, um, to be able to kind of make some sense of it all, you know?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, another episode, we appreciate people (laughs) listening in and we appreciate this privilege of being able to have this time together. Thank you, my dear.
1: Thank you, dad. Stay real.
0: I love you and you mean so much to me and um
1: likewise yeah. dad Stay love real. you a lot <laughs>